Shall we begin? <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Luncheon with Lisa. Hello. Hello. How is everybody this evening? I wanted to first awesome. welcome everybody. Awesome. To, I wanted to welcome everybody to Luncheon with Lisa. We come on every Thursday, 7 to 8. Um, and this night is especially um, important to me because um, this month is actually Breast Cancer Awareness and Domestic Violence um, Awareness Month along with, I think, bullying. Um, but I wanted mm -hmm. to acknowledge um, these important um, awareness months because um, I think people kind of, especially with what's going on now, people have kind of lost sight of um, some of the things that we usually get. We can't do our walks. We can't do our things that we do to support each other. So I wanted to make sure I had some inspiring guests come on here this evening and just share their stories and just some real life, you know, information and inspiration about how they got through what they went through um, and just inspire others. Because I know, especially now, people are probably terrified with these same situations now because they have that on top of not being able to go to the doctor the same way and just all kinds of things. So I wanted to do some introductions real quick and then we're just going to get into a conversation um, and I want you all to kind of share your journeys. Um, so I want to introduce, we have first Latoya Palmer, who is here to serve. Um, and I forgot to mention, I have a co-host with me, um, Camden. Um, say hello, Camden. He's busy cleaning his mouth. But um, he's joining me this week because I'm on GG duty. Okay, that's enough. Um, but we're going to introduce our guest first. Uh, Latalia Palmer is here to serve. She has gone from generational welfare to six figures, from incest survivor who hated herself to an empowerment specialist helping women build their confidence, ignite their magic, and manifest their dream. Latalia is a mom of four, an author, speaker, founder of Phoenix Rising Success, Success Coaching and Training, certified peak performance, and law of attraction coach. Despite all of it, she is here today, thriving, sharing her story, and inspiring others to ignite and live a full life. During the fight, her fight with breast cancer, she self-published her first book, Ignite, A Single Mother's Guide to Success, Sensuality, and Achieving Your Dreams. She was a keynote speaker for multiple events, won the Unbreakable Spirit Award, led a Beauty in the Battle campaign during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, co-authored, released the debt, Inspirational Testaments of Strength and Purpose, a woman's empowerment book which became a international and national Amazon bestseller and was featured in magazines, including Impact the World, Kish, and the Unbreakable Woman Leaders magazine. Latalia lives with her children in Maryland and is committed to helping women ignite their passion and manifest their goals no matter what. Welcome, no matter Latalia. What. Thank you. Hey, man. I also want to 
introduce I want I have um author success coach certified master life coach Dr. Benita Parker um, international best-selling author, success coach, and certified master life coach, Benita Parker, is purposeful and extremely gifted at helping entrepreneurs build success business brands using their unique superpowers. I love the word superpowers. <laughs> her commitment and dedication to the success of women in business is what drives her. Her natural talent for creating safe Relatable environments is how she moves her clients through breakthrough and transformation as they tap into their personal gifts. Known for her go-getter spirit and no-nonsense mm -hmm. approach to business, she pushes her clients to move past fear and limited beliefs that blocks their prog progression and threatens their success journey. She is also the CEO of Beauty by Bonita, an exclusive vegan cosmetics and skincare product line that she started after undergoing her own battle with stage four metastatic, metastatic how do you say that for me? Metastatic breast cancer disease in 2018. She has been featured in the Chicago Tribune, Atlanta Journal, Sheen Magazine, Coco Fab Magazine, Influence Magazine, and Miss CEO Magazine, to, to name a few. Please welcome Dr. Benita Parker to the show. Hello, hello. Hello. We also have uh, Reverend Her uh, Henrietta S. Clements, who has a legacy as a servant leader. She journeyed in information technology in her lengthy career, 30 plus years, implementing software systems and on many platforms and in several co computer language database systems in many private and government, government agencies. Today, she is married to a man of God, fashion for her, and she continues to love on her young adult children and grandchildren, loves to travel, and so much more. She recognizes the importance of affirmation and encouragement, living as a role model, supporting others in accountability, sharing, lending a listening ear, and, and spiritual growth. Please welcome Henrietta Clemens to the show. And we're welcoming Tony Fowler Duggar. I want to share. Tony didn't. I didn't have a bio for Tony, but Tony does so many things. Um, so she's being humble. But Tony is. She's a go getter as well. And Tony has several businesses. There's a latest business that's called Bees. Is it Bees in a Trap? I love it. I love it. And, and, but she also has put on many, many, many events to for yeah. uh, awareness for all of these events. I mean, things that we're talking about today, um, domestic violence, breast cancer awareness. She's yeah. done many, many things to support the community. She actually is in Atlanta, but she was in D.C. So she actually travels to put on these events for everybody. Wow. She brings people together for fitness um, yes. for lupus, she actually is a real, you know, motivator for lupus. So she and Tony has been through some things, and she's down here in Atlanta. She's in Atlanta. That's where my mother is. So she's still home. Um, but thank you so much, Tony, for joining the show. I welcome all of you all to lunch with Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. And I want us to get into sharing some of your stories. Now, what I did was I invited two people that have been through breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also invited two people who had been through some domestic violence. Now I'll tell you personally, this means a lot to me because although I did not, um, I haven't experienced, um, either what I did experience was I started taking the exam early before 
to and didn't expect to find anything with breast cancer and actually after my exam i was asked to go into another room and i was kind of confused like why do i need to do this and found out that they found a lump um and what i did find out about the process was they actually treat you stuff they treat you um, as if you're a breast cancer patient before they get the results. So um, I had to change my diet. I had to do all kinds of things. And the stress level went straight out the roof because I had no way to know what to expect. I had to go through surgery um, and things like that. So I do, you know, on some level understand. So if I went through that and I'm, you know, and I have never experienced it, you know, in real life, I know that it has to be really scary. Mm -hmm. um, and for that reason, I actually, for three years um, in the past, I have done the 39 mile walk with Avon. Mm -hmm. um, and I did it. It was one of the most empowering things I have ever done. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is my connection with um, breast cancer and with domestic violence. Um, and I've seen, you know, I've been around people who have gone through things. I've, I've been there for my friends when things have happened. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's just so important that we keep the lines of communication open. So I want you all to kind of share some signs that people can look for and just just your journey and how you got to the other side of this and what you can offer people who especially during these times, you know, that could be something that's really going on around here and people can't reach out to other people and talk about it because of COVID. Um, so let me start with, and I'm going to start with Latoya. I know you have to leave a little early, but Latoya, share with us a little bit about your journey. I love the Ignite. Um, yes. that's, that's straight fire. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how it brought you to where you are now. Yeah, so... Ignite, uh, it grew as a result of my diagnosis. You know, I, I share with people that the journey to even getting my diagnosis took a lot of stamina, a lot of patience, um, a lot of fortitude and courage. It took them about two months to diagnose me. And when they did diagnose me, or by the time they diagnosed me, my lump went from two centimeters to 12 centimeters in two months. And that's how aggressive it was. Wow. And so I always mm -hmm. encourage people to stay steadfast. Do not let the doctors turn you away. Like Lisa, I'm so excited to hear that they treated you yeah. as if you had breast cancer before you got your diagnosis. That, I mean, it was the exact opposite experience for me. Um, I had multiple biopsies, multiple scans before they could even, you know, diagnose me. So going through the procedures, the chemotherapy, the four surgeries, it sucked the life out of me, you know? Mm -hmm. And there were times where I couldn't even get up from my living room to walk to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. I couldn't hold a conversation with you without having to stop, catch my breath, remember what I was about to say to you. I, like you, I had to change my whole diet um, mm -hmm. in order to strengthen myself for the journey. But I remember one day asking God, if you bring me through this, I will do whatever I need to do to help women gain their passion. Mm -hmm. I will do whatever I need to do to help people remember who they truly are. Mm -hmm. Because the only way I got through that journey was by remembering who I am. Mm -hmm. By having people on my side like 
Dr. Benita Parker, who also went through her journey, um, helping me remember who I am. And so when you talk about being in this time, COVID, you know, it's already a lonely experience having breast cancer because you think that no one else understands. You're going through so much and you can't even articulate what you're going through because it's something that you've never imagined that you would experience. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you couple that with COVID and it's deadly. The isolation alone can be deadly. And so I love, you know, how you started, you know, people knowing that it's okay to reach out, knowing mm-hmm. that it's okay to call on someone. Behind the scenes, we were talking about being afraid to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. It is so important that we do what we have to do to build up the courage, protect ourselves, of course, to get to the doctor. Mm-hmm. We have to have our scans, you know, mm-hmm. we, we have to let our doctors know what's going on with our bodies. Um, I remember when I first felt the lump and I mm-hmm. told them it was something different. You know, I've never felt it before. And they said, oh, it's a cyst. And I'm like, nah, man, this is not a cyst. And they would not listen. And I had to keep going back, keep going back, persistent, insistent that they give me the test that I need so they can help me save my life. And so getting out to the doctor early when you find that there's something off with your body mm-hmm. is truly, truly, truly important. Um, and I know I went a little bit off topic, but I just get passionate about just getting out. Well, yeah, not only that, but you mentioned that um, to not be scared, because I think it happens a lot of times when you go to the doctor and they tell you something. And, and sometimes people are fearful to push back. Um, because yeah. they feel a certain way and whether it's in their spirit or something that's just telling them this, that this is not right. Um, and I think people are sometimes are scared to say, no, I need you to go back and check this again or, you know, no, do something else and, and double check. And you mentioned that to don't be scared to do that yeah. um, because I've lost family members to um, to something because they said this wasn't working for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes the doctor would say, well, just get off of it for a little bit and then try it again. And it was too late the second time around, um, wow. she, you know, all of her organs failed her. So, um, yeah, it's important to not, you're not second guessing them, but you're actually just going off of your instinct. And if something doesn't feel right, mm-hmm. then check That's it right. out, you know? That's, That's right. Good. And and get an advocate, you know, um, yes. I didn't hear, uh, Dr. Bernita Parker has a, um, a foundation called Hope for Pink foundation.org and in this foundation she has sisters to pair up and reach out to each other to support one another as they're going through their cancer battle and in connections like that are so important and will help get you through the journey as well exactly Absolutely. okay well i want to um i'm gonna um mix it up a little bit Benita, we're gonna come back to you to kind of further that conversation but I wanted to share, Tony, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about domestic violence. And I know you are an advocate for so many things. Um, and you, I mean, you are a true inspiration on all levels. I know she's humble about it, but I, I people pay attention. And um, I wanted to share, you have shared your story before and it was just so moving. Um, and the strength that you've shown getting through that, I wanted, I just think this should be shared with people and to let others know that, you know, this is not the end of the situation. It's just, 
you know, a moment in, in this and you can get through it. So share a little bit about your journey. Well, thank you for having me, Lisa. Um, my journey with domestic violence started at the age of 16. Um, I'm part of that age group where domestic violence isn't really talked about mm -hmm. for that age. So I went through it from the age of 16 to 21. Mm -hmm. And the misconception that people have is that the person, your abuser, instantly starts to hit you or, you know, get mm -hmm. aggressive with you. And for me, that was not my situation. Um, he started doing all of the things that young girls at that age like. You know, he su supported me financially. <laughs> um, he always wanted to be with me. He always wanted to hang out and do things. But that was part of the abuse. That was him isolating me from my friends and from my family and pretty much making it so I, I had the understanding that I needed him and not them. Mm. And throughout mm. the years, it started to become physical. So he had already, you know, abused me emotionally. He had already abused me mentally. Now the physical part was coming in. And once it became, it started physically, I literally was having conversations with myself like, this can't be life. <laughs> you know, right. I heard the conversation mm -hmm. from my mother. A man is not supposed to hit you. I witnessed my father abusing my mother. Mm -hmm. So I knew oh, the first time it was wrong. Mm -hmm. I knew that from the first time it was not going to stop. But for me, and I can only speak for myself personally, he was like the knight in shining armor into other people's eyes. So it was almost like she's lying. What is she doing to him? What is she um, doing or saying that's making him act this way? So I kept it a secret for a very long time, which I don't suggest anybody do. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. first time it should be the last time. Um, and honestly, my get out story was not heroic in any way. It was actually because he literally coerced me to come see him and he began beating me immediately because it had took him so long to get me to come over to where he was. Wow. And he literally said, you're going to die today. Wow. And as he was beating me, I ended up stabbing him. And from there, life changed. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I had to move from, a lot of people don't, well, they know now, but they didn't know in the beginning I'm not from the DMV area. I was born and raised in Jersey City, New Jersey. I ended up in the DMV trying to get away from him. Even mm. after the stabbing, after me going to jail, him refusing to press charges. But by this time, the court is pressing. Like, I'm going against the state. The state is pressing charges against me. Oh, and he was a police officer. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I'm calling the police on the police. So that didn't help at all. <laughs> um, right. So when he started to burglarize my mother's house, he started to sit across the street in his car and basically follow me everywhere. My mother said, I have to get you out of here or he's really going to kill you. So she put me on a Greyhound bus, August 8th, 1992. <laughs> To go to Baltimore. I ended up in Baltimore. No friends, no family, just myself and my three-year-old son. 
I hated Baltimore. <laughs> so I begged my mother if I could move a little bit further down, which I ended up, you know, in the DMV area. And I began the lie of becoming who I was not. I could not tell people where I was from. I could not tell people where I went to school because I didn't know if he would have people to follow me or to mm-hmm. what extent he would do or go through to find me. So for right. years, people, you know, they say, where are you from? The DMV? Where are you from? DC? I never, ever, ever said Jersey until honestly a year ago. And that's because wow. he's deceased now. I found out he was deceased. So I felt safe with saying where I was really from. So I changed my background bio on all of my social media that says Jersey born, DMV raised, ATL grinding. Because I'm in the DMV by myself. I left everything I knew and loved. All to get away from him. And it literally started at the age of 16. Um, You know, he kidnapped my son. I've had a broken nose. I've had broken bones. I've had several injuries that I will hide by wearing long sleeves. I always wore shades. I never made eye contact with anyone because to him that was flirting. So I didn't want to give off the impression that I was flirting or doing anything that would cause any extra attention to myself. And I'm just now within the past year or two coming out of that. Of course, I've had the conversations with my daughter that abuse is never okay. Um, The first time will be the last time. There's nothing. I don't love any man more than I love myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though those feelings of fear and intimidation was recognizable because I felt that from my father and mother, mm-hmm. I would never want my daughter or my sons to feel that. Never yeah. think that it's okay. And honestly, because I was used to hiding pain, that also delayed my diagnosis with lupus. I was oh, used to okay. acting like I wasn't in pain. So okay. when I was in pain, I didn't act like I was in pain. The migraines, that came from being hit in the head multiple times. Um, The shifting of my teeth come from being punched in the jaw multiple times. Um, My fear of guns come from having a gun pulled on me multiple times. So I survived it. I never say I'm a victim of domestic violence. I say I'm a survivor of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. I've told my story probably more times than I ever wanted to. Um, and last year, Sister um, Mildred Muhammad, whom I've become very close friends with, she challenged us to ask the question, stop acting, stop asking survivors, why did you stay? Ask right. abusers, why do they abuse? Mm-hmm. And I wrote a whole post about that on Instagram. And mm-hmm. unbeknownst to me, several survivors tag their abusers on my post and ask them why why did you abuse me wow that's powerful totally not the response i was expecting but i have five different women that did that wow every year i say i'm not going to talk about it anymore you guys are tired of hearing it and every year i get the same request i need to hear more tell me more don't stop talking 
and that's why I reached out to you too because I actually I think on on social and we've known each other for years. Yeah. Um, and no, you know, connected through you know deep friendships and family and stuff. So. I, I did not know your story. And then one day when you shared it and, and when you mentioned something about that, people get tired of hearing it. I, there's always somebody that needs that story. And I know sometimes it gets hard, but um, and that, and that's why I asked first when I reached out to you, are you OK with doing that? Because I don't know where people are. But at the same time, there's somebody who needs to know everything that you just said. They yeah. need to know that. Um and and I too was a victim of some things and didn't share it for till I was forty years old. Mm-hmm. So and 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 that will eat at you because you didn't share it. But at the same time, you know, I, the question came: Well, why didn't you? And it's a horrible question, but people ask you. I, I'm prepared to answer because everybody has a different answer on why. Right. Um, and I think that what you shared was just to remind people that. You, you can't assume that you know how this is supposed to play out, how it was supposed to end, and people don't really get it. There's a, Every story is very different. So people do yes. the best they can in this situation. And the worst question you can ask people is why this or why that? You know, just just get to how you can help. What what difference does it make? You know, why is kind of like what I want to know sometimes. But um, and I think we lost Natalia because she has to leave at 730. But we're going to come back to you some more. But thank you for sharing this, because I think that sharing it is what people need to hear. They just need to hear the raw stories about what happens. There's somebody out there that's dealing with the same things. The signs that you mentioned where everybody is sweet and they're nice and they do everything you want them to do. Um, It makes it scary, but it's real. Um, So you're not going to you know, the person is not wearing horns and they're not wearing a cape. And, you know, none of those things that you envision as the evil person. Um, you know, it's, it's rarely that, um, and we've heard all of the things of what you're not supposed to do. And still, sometimes I, I, I kind of envision that moment where a lot of people say, how did I get in this position? Because I know <laughs> what to look for. And then you realize you're in it, you know, it's, it's already done. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Benita, I wanted to move to you with the, um, breast cancer. And then we're going to go to, um, Elder Henrietta, but with the breast cancer, I know, I think you and Latoya actually were going through this somewhere around the same time. Um, so tell us a little bit about your journey um, and, and what got you through, because um, you all are, y'all are so strong. And I think that, you know, people need to see the strength behind the story. You're on mute. Yeah, there you go. Okay, here I go. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, First and foremost, Lisa, thank you so much for um, choosing me and selecting me to um, engage your audience um, with such a delicate matter. Um, Breast cancer is very, very, very um, huge in the Black community right now. It seems like every time I turn around, someone is telling me that they have received a diagnosis. So um, for me, I was actually um, diagnosed in December of 2017, um, and it was confirmed in January after, just like Latalia, you go through a series of um, mammograms, sonograms, scans, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I actually um, found my lump myself. So I discovered my lump one day in the shower, and it was it was crazy because I am usually extremely diligent about my mammograms, um, never miss an appointment, always on time. 
and it's every September, right? So this particular September in 2017, I had just finished my um, Unmask Yourself conference. And I wasn't even, having that mammogram was the furthest thing from my mind. Um, one, because I never thought that I would get breast cancer. It was like, okay, it doesn't run in my family. Nobody has it. It's no way. That's the last thing that I'm thinking about getting. High blood right. pressure or something like that, maybe. Blood, um, breast cancer, never. So I kind of, you know, put it to the side went on about my um, days, months, whatever. Next thing I know, it was December. And literally, like I was in the shower um, one night and I'm washing. And you know how you you get a signal, right? So something in me was just like, Benita, check your breast, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm washing and I'm like, wait a minute, I missed my mammogram. Okay, let me check my breast. And I finished showering, got out the shower, and I stood in the mirror. And believe it or not, it was the first spot that I touched. Um, mm -hmm. And because I know my body, you know, that was a thing for me. I, I felt it. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, no, wait. What is that? Okay, wait. Let me lay down. Let me do it the right way. Let me, you know, put my arm up, et cetera. And lo and behold, it was there. Um, and what a lot of people don't know is like, I also suffer from anxiety. So I went into a full blown anxiety attack. Um, couldn't breathe, like crying, like everything. Something in me just told me it was breast cancer because I'm never abnormal, like about anything dealing with my body. Um, and I remember like trying to make it downstairs because that's where my honey was at trying to make it downstairs. I'm crying profusely. And he was on a conference call and um, I just collapsed on him and I'm sobbing. He got off the call and I was trying to tell him like what was going on, but I couldn't get the words out. I just cried for like 30 minutes. Right. And then finally I was like, I have a lump and he just held me. And like, we are not married. So what was really, um, like just such a blessing for me was to hear him say, just as a man who I'm dating at the time, like, don't worry about anything. I'm not going anywhere. We're going to get through this together. Right? right. And I was just like, oh my God, it gave me a relief. But at the same time, I was scared. So that next day he just sprung into action. Like he called my doctors for me. Um, my OBGYN immediately got me in. Um, and it was a quick process for me. Unlike um, with Latalia, like they didn't draw it out. Um, it was literally like a week or two week time period between the moment I felt the lump to the moment mm -hmm. I actually got the final results back. So okay. I was happy about that, that they were really fast. Um, so that's the thing that I want to kind of lend to everybody. First and foremost, know your body. Don't mm -hmm. be afraid to touch yourself, right? Don't be afraid to touch yourself because that's the only way you're going to know, like when something feels wrong. Um, and so that's the the absolute first thing that I want to convey to people. Um, after I got diagnosed, I went through and me, I, I have um, stage four triple negative metastatic breast cancer. That means that the breast cancer had spread into my lymph nodes and also to my lung area. Mm. Um, and triple negative is the one form, rare form of breast cancer that they have not found a cure for. So I do not call myself a survivor. I call myself a thriver. 
um, because this is a, di a diagnosis that I will be living with, right? Um, 97% of women do not make it um, with this diagnosis. Um, and it usually recurs within the two year mark. So I'm blessed to say that I, I celebrated my two year mark um, active cancer in um, July. So, Amen. yeah. So, um, with that, um, they say I have to get to five years. <laughs> if I can get That's to five right. years and right. no active cancer, then chances are it will not come back. And I can then say I'm a survivor. So, I'm looking forward to that point. Um, it was rough. Chemotherapy, radiation, surgery after surgery after surgery, um, and then just living in fear, right? Right. Um, right. For me, for somebody like with anxiety, every doctor's appointment was torture. Yes. Um, <laughs> I have to get scanned every three months because this is a rare aggressive cancer. So I have to get scanned every three months as well as have mammograms and sonograms. Um, every three months. So, and, and that's for five years. Um, so it's a little, you know, it's a thing. Right? That's, a, that's um, a lot, right. It's a whole lot. So during COVID, just not being able to get to my doctors, um, they mm -hmm. had to send my appointments out. Um, and when they did get me in, it was a thing where like no one could go with me um even when i had to have surgeries and things like that um it was very it was it was such a protective environment um for for cancer patients um but i was i was nerve-wracked like i was i was on anxiety because i kept you know like i need to get in i need to get my tests i need to get my scans like i don't want something to right. pop up i don't you know and i i live like that you know and sometimes i just have to dial back and say you know what let me just focus on my self-care I had to change my diet. I had to, you know, exercise. I had to do all of that stuff to just try to keep myself together um, and my system strong. And that right. was the key. Um, even now, two years later, I'm still dealing with the after effects of treatment of the cancer because that chemotherapy, like it eats away at you. Um, mm -hmm. my, I lost all muscle mass in my body. Um, and it literally like destroyed the muscles around my knees and everything like that. So I'm in physical therapy right now, um, okay. two years later for that. Um, and just like Natalia said, like it was days where you just couldn't move. Right. Um, yeah. You couldn't, didn't have the energy to, to walk, talk, do anything. Right. Um, so it, it is definitely not anything that one person should go through alone. And like she said, I have my Hope for Pink Foundation, which I, mm -hmm. I just love. Um, I talk to women on a regular basis on social media, on the phone for hours. I'm just, you know, trying to get them through it. Um, we have a program called the Pink Sister Program, where we pair okay. with current warriors who have just received a diagnosis just to kind of help them through the process and support them. Moral support is everything yes. in this journey. Um, yeah. Without that, like you, you literally cannot get through it. And so that's the second thing that I want to offer people. Make sure that you have a, a support team 
to rally around you, to bring you food, to make you laugh, to go with you to their doctor's appointments, just to talk to or cry with, or just to come give you a hug, right? Right, um, right. Make sure you have that support system. Um, the other thing too is make sure that your your mind stays positive. A lot of people don't realize that our body responds to the way our mind thinks and the things that we tell ourselves. And so every day, every day, I was in treatment for a year. Every day for a year, the first thing that I did when I woke up, when I woke up in the morning, I thanked God for waking me up. And then I just chanted, I'm healthy, I'm happy, I'm whole, I'm healed faithfully every day. I told my body that I was healed um, and I was whole and I just held God accountable. Um, I'm from the South, so we, (laughs) I grew up where we are not to question God, right? Let God do his work. You do not question God. For some reason, I couldn't do that with this journey because I wanted to know why he chose me to go through this when there's no other person in my family with this disease. And it was like, why me? Like, what why, What did I do, right? Like, right. why me? Um, and so after that point, it was just like, um, I had to hold him accountable to his words of healing and restoration. And that's what I did. Whenever I felt bad, I was just like, God, you promised. Like, God, this is what you said. You know, if I did this, this is what you will do, right? Um, and so right. I held him accountable. And so that got me through. Um, with Beauty by Bonita, I realized, and I, I had to do my own research. That's that's another thing. Don't necessarily hear your doctors, but don't necessarily take their word as law. Doctors can be wrong, right? Doctors, especially with breast cancer, everybody is treated across the board the same way. Um, whether you're a stage two, a stage four, you're going to get the same amount of treatment in your body, especially with chemotherapy and everything like that. One Mm -hmm. thing that I did was I became very diligent with learning everything I could about my diagnosis. I researched galore to the point where I was able to challenge my doctor or ask my doctor the right questions to get the answers that I needed regarding my treatment. And so what a lot of people don't know is I stopped my treatment because I knew my body and I knew that the level of treatment that they were giving me was affecting my healthy cells. At some point, yes, it it did its job, but because I had so many sessions of treatment that I felt was unnecessary, I stopped it. And my oncologist pulled me to the side and um, she talked to me in private and she said, I am so happy that you made the decision to stop this treatment because medically, I could not do that for you. I could not say, okay, Benita, enough treatment. I'm not going to give you any more medicine. That has to come from the patient. But you were diligent enough and you knew your body enough and you knew what your body felt like to say, okay, doc, this is enough. I'm stopping. And that's what I did. I just then stepped out on faith. Um, but ne- what I was going to say was that took me to Beauty by Bonita because in that research, I was trying to figure out how did I get it? And I, 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 came, to the, I came to the conclusion that it had to have been something in the products that I was using, 
in, you know, the food that I was putting in my body, something caused my internal, you know, makeup to just act a fool, basically. Something <laughs> caused that. Um, there's so many products out there that have the paraffins and all that stuff, the toxins that cause cancer that we don't realize and a lot of well-known brand names. And so that's what made me start Beauty by Bonita because I like makeup. I like lipstick. I like skincare. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to create a brand that women can feel safe using. Um, they can feel good about the products that they're putting on their body and know that they will not affect them negatively. Um, and mm -hmm. that's what Bonita does. Um, so along with that and my foundation, I'm just, I'm just, I, I thank God for the journey because it opened me up in a whole different way. Um, well, it, and I wanted to mention, because Bonita and I have known each other for a while. And actually, this is the first time because we've never had that opportunity to really talk um, and find, you know, the, I think the most conversation we had was I said, well, if you need anything, let me know when I'm here. Because I know when you're in the heat of things, you know, you don't have time to explain, catch up, mm -hmm. none of that stuff. So um, this is the first time I'm actually getting a lot of, you know, what your journey was. But I'm seeing the end result in all of the things that you are doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I know it's in you. I knew it was in you. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, what, whatever's going on, Benita got this. That's right. I know. Look, if I don't know nothing else, I was like, oh, no, they they don't know what they're working with with Benita because she is going to make right. sure, you, you know, she do the right things. But I am so appreciative of you sharing the story because I know I watched the journey um, here and there and. You know, it gets yeah. frustrating as people who watch because we don't know what to do. Um, and sometimes yeah. just being, just letting you know we're there. So I wanted to go back around to everybody. At some point, we're going to um, reach out to Elder um, Henrietta and share your story. But in the end, I wanted to ask everybody, what is it that you need from people when you're going through these things? When, you know, like when Tony was sharing when she was going through it, because, I mean, and sometimes you may not know, um, but maybe, you know, to help people who are there or around other people that are going through this, what is it that you think you might have needed to help you through that so that some of us can help others? Um, and then if, you know, whatever comes our way, what we can deal with, you kind of shared what you went through and, and to encourage people on how to get through it. But Elder, Elder Henriette, I wanted to reach out to you and share a little bit about your story and what you went through. Because Cameron's going to be quiet now and, and listen. Stop. It's all good. It's all good. I just want to start off saying thank you very much, Elisa, for inviting me. And to these strong ladies, oh, these strong <laughs> women, I just thank God that I got to hear your story. And I encourage you to just keep on pressing on into what you know God has called you to do in your lives. You know, my sister Altonia, okay? I, I was listening to your story and all of a sudden I got lost over there because, you know, I want to go to the good port who said, but still like dust, I'll rise. So in spite of what it might look like today, we are sitting right here looking at each other and we can see that out of the past that's rooted in a lot of pain, pain in different areas that still, I like to say that's my part, and still I rise. Mm -hmm. So we can be that black ocean and we can be leaping and excited today. 
and we can bear more than we think we can. And if I may, Lisa, by the grace of God, we still rise. Amen. You know, I'm excited myself, but you know what? I'm depending on the lady I've never met before, Tony, all Tonya. I need your help, okay? Because what I'm going to talk about to me is only by the grace of God that I can sit before you. That sometimes we have walked through some valleys and and we don't even know. I don't know why. I wasn't 16, 17. I was an adult, but I had lived or been reared in what I'll call a sheltered environment. Mm -hmm. And I never, ever knew that I could be one who could say I had a journey from hell. Okay. I couldn't believe that I could tell you that. I knew right from wrong, but I was sleeping with the enemy. Mm. That everybody else was looking at Sister Girl here who came from, and I'm going to say it, a church family, you know what I mean? Always striving to do the right thing, and I couldn't tell anybody. I wasn't in my hometown now. I I was not in Southern Virginia. I was in Northern Virginia. But even in Northern Virginia, things do go wrong. You can't misjudge people because yeah, I didn't know the characteristics. I didn't know what to look for because it looked like a you know fairly reasonable gentleman who wanted to you know be just nice to me, and I thought that was good. And then things turned around. I couldn't believe that you could be in corporate America making good money. Okay, I'm talking about in IT, thinking you understand people. You are trying to understand people because you're doing business. Companies are making money off of your head, the things you think. You've been in a think tank and you go in a think tank and then when you come out, you 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 know the phone has rang or there's a message and you're like, what's the problem? Or where mm-hmm. have you been? Because you didn't answer my call. So I went through a lot of that. I thought that was horrible. People who you can't go to the uh to the marketplace because if you go in the marketplace, obviously you were meeting somebody in there because you didn't come out in, in time or you didn't get home from work on time because you must have been out with somebody else. Oh, you going to church again? Oh, yeah, it must be the preacher at that church. And then the preacher, the pastor of the church comes to you and says, um, do you know a man by the name of? And I'm like, well, yeah, well, how do you know him? Because he don't come here. <laughs> now you got to deal with it from the past. And then you got to deal with it when you get back home. Uh, and yeah, like I told you, remember, don't forget, I'm sleeping with the enemy. I know better. I knew better. But when things got rough and I couldn't keep on doing all of those things, I mean, it's a whole lot of church journey I can tell you about, but I won't waste that kind of time. But I will tell you a little bit about what I call post-traumatic syndrome. There's a disorder out there, I think. And I think that anybody who's gone through some rough enough stuff, you might be dealing with that PTSD that everybody don't want to talk about. Because trouble causes things with our mind. It messes with our heart. We don't know. And you're like, okay, but why can't you just tell this man to leave you alone and go? So you move. Mm. And then you have to move again. So the next move was to leave Virginia and move to Maryland. Okay? Because maybe he won't know where you are. Hello? Oh, well, how about uh, make sure the alarm system, you got a pad in most rooms so you can hit the panic button at any point in time. 
How about always making sure you got extra security on your doors and windows and, and you know, only to wake up and realize that I had bought a house next door to a detective and police are all around the area. I started to feel safe. I was safe. But I, and I won't tell you the whole story yet. Let me just tell you where the hurt comes. That hurt that I'm talking about right now is that hurt that says that even today, 30 years later, I'm telling you, it's not over just because you're young. It keeps on showing up. It shows up with my children. They're young adults. Yeah, they are. They're young adults, but the hurt comes because you have Father's Day. You have graduations. You can't have one graduation party. You got to have two because one daddy can come. But the family one, you try to keep it closed because you don't want any incidents. Then you choose to have it in a public restaurant because the restaurant will kick them out and you don't have to fight, okay? Oh, life's been rough. And then you have your grandchildren and your grandchildren are still here. I am 30 years later and I've got the grandchildren, but the grandchildren cannot have the same level of bonding because I'm afraid. Right. I'm afraid. I am afraid it will affect my grandchildren. Children, when you see, I was brought up with my mama and my dad and like I like to call them. Okay. Mm-hmm. How can grandchildren not understand what's going on? How can this be? You know, you don't explain it to them. You try to walk that walk in front of them that life can be different, but it's what God has ordained for my life. Okay, because I know there's a plot twist to all of this that we're all going to be built up. As yeah. a result of this, we're not going to sit here idly and not know what's going to happen next. Even when you start looking at, you know, the moving and the, the running and, and being in a police station when you don't know anything about it because I was brought up sheltered. Yeah. People didn't fight at my house. My parents didn't even drink. Hello? So, you know, all of this stuff is kind of like strange is what I called it. But I know there is a God. Mm -hmm. There is a God who set me up when I bought that house out in Maryland that I might be able to move on. I've had my hair. My hair was white, but not because of me, but because of baby powder. When you fight coming down the stairwell and they grab the baby powder and cover your hair with it, you don't know which way to go. I found myself cornered in my kitchen of my townhouse. Yes, I did. And I reached in the drawer and I said, if you kill me, I'm going to, if you don't kill me, I'm going to kill you. I never thought that I, that me, that I could get in a situation where I was willing to strike out at somebody like that. I grabbed the butcher knife. And I'm standing there saying, you come close, I will kill you. And you know what? I think I meant it. Hello? Pain, 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 pain. But thank God my oldest daughter upstairs called the police. Mm-hmm. She's stumping and acting a complete fool up there. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with her? She needs to hide and lock the babies up. 
but the police came in, guns pulled all in my house. I had never seen the police come in my house. Hello, do you understand that everything that looks good, you don't get there without some pain sometime. Sister Lisa, my dear, I have never shared my story. And I knew when when you when the question came to me about being on this show that it was time. Mm-hmm. It was time to stop hiding. It's time. It's time to tell the world that there are people who we are looking at every day and are assuming that they're okay. Yeah. And they're looking over their shoulder. They're yeah. looking to the left and they're looking to the right. And guess what? They're just going to work to do their job to get their paycheck. Hello? And there are these crazy people out here, people who we don't understand. I come to you saying that if you think about it, COVID-19, the pandemic, where people were not able to go to work, people and have a job they could go to. I wanna, I wish I didn't believe it, but I believe in my heart of hearts that there are fights over little simple things about not cooking the eggs correct. There are fights about the children getting everything. You know we can't afford this. You need to go to work, but you don't have a job to go to. Mm-hmm. There are situations that people go through, especially when they wake up and realize they don't have the money to do that, which is necessary if they act a crazy, when they have what they believe they deserve, then you know what they must act like when they don't. But I thank God because you know what? He brought me out. He brought me out. I will say that this hurt, this pain, my children are walking in this valley with me. They have always been on my left and my right. They will push me forward because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we don't have to, everybody else may not understand and who is all right. It's not important. It's more important for me to walk in the assignment that God has given me. And I believe this journey where I kept telling you and still I rise. It's because God knows somebody's going to be blessed because of the things we do. That the many things we go through that may be negative. It may cause tears to come out of our eyes. It may be pain that we've got to walk through in our valley. That God is in the midst and that he's going to bear us up. So I stand on the word of God. And yes, I didn't mean to turn this into a little church. Oh, no. I'm going to tell you right now that is only ahead. God. I pray. I pray for those people who are out there with a struggle and you don't know which way to turn because you don't have anybody you can really tell your heart to. And when you tell your heart, they don't understand. But I pray that tonight, tonight that some contacts will be shared, Mm -hmm. that you will know that God doesn't want you to be in pain. God doesn't want you to be that way. He is a God of love. He's a, he loves each of us. Even with the ugly look on my face and the tears running out of my eyes, he loves me. And every once in a while, I've got to also do the same thing, but I sing a little song and, and I know I'm getting very childish with you, but I'll tell you this. Every no, once no. in a while, I had to sing, Jesus loves me. 
Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody else says or how much pain I'm in. I know who loves me and he loves me unconditionally, okay? Yes. And then in the morning, I had to learn to have positive affirmations because this is the day the Lord has made. I will. I don't care what mm-hmm. I feel like when I wake up in the morning, but I will. Oh, yeah, I'm going to rejoice in him because I might not be able to rejoice in anything else, but I can rejoice in this is the day. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is the day that the Lord has made and I shall rejoice. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much. You you don't know. Yes. I think somebody, I mean, this happened for a reason and somebody needed to hear that and they need to hear it that way. Um, and I thank you for sharing your story here, um, you know, because I, I didn't know what to expect, but I wanted to make sure that you were comfortable. And, and I think just like you, that you get messages and downloads and you don't know why you, you don't know until you get into the moment and you're like, OK, I know why I was here today. OK, I know why the combination was made. I think people, the connection with you and Tony, I'm hoping that maybe you all can, you know, stay connected with each other. And I want to mm-hmm. encourage people that, like you said, there are people walking around here going through diagnosis, like what Benita went through. There are people going around here dealing with domestic violence and not saying anything. Um, and I think that it's, it's our job, Camden, that's enough. I think that it's our job to let people know that it's okay to talk about it. Yes. Um, I think yes. we spend so much time just saying, oh, okay, um, oh, sorry to hear that, those kind of things, instead of what do you need? Um, how can I help? Or I'm just here. Yes. I know I have even posted when somebody shares something and just said, I'm here if you need me. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I know them personally and, and we got each other's phone number, but I'm here if you need us to exchange numbers and have that conversation. We need to let each other know that we're here. That's that's what this is all about. Um, and I appreciate all of you all for sharing your story because it's, it's hard to share stories about things that even now, what you all are dealing with is still a daily thing. It's not like it's something that happened, it's over with, and now I'm moving on. And people, when they haven't experienced any of these things, they don't know what to do. They they just like, they're thinking, okay, so that was bad then, but so now they're going back to life as normal when normal is not a a word for you sometimes because it's like, you know, every day this changes and you know, fear, like with Bonita, fear of, am I going to make it through this? What's going to happen? Fear of, is this person going to, you know, do something to me where I can't even reach anybody anymore? Or, or right. that I'm going to do something to them because I'm trying to defend myself. Mm-hmm. All of that is fear and anxiety. Bonita, I understand the anxiety from even the fear of going through some other things. And the anxiety is real. And once yeah. you have a panic attack, you continue to have them. Yeah. And it's really hard to explain when you're in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had struggles with you don't want to talk to people. You don't want it, to. It's just a, it's a strange feeling that you can't shake until you shake it. Um, yeah, so now yeah. I do know that I can feel them when it's getting there. So great techniques. What I, what I wanted to mention, I want you all to just share um, and take your time. I really appreciate it. I think I needed to. I needed this too. But I wanted you all to share um, just some things that help you through, even now, what you feel like you need from those you're around. You're married, you have, you know, your your older children, um, what what you need from them. Because I think sometimes people don't know what to do 
Um, and I'm hoping that I can, you know, at least this will help them to understand there may be something you can do. Just try this. But you're hearing it from the people who are going through it. So share a little bit. And we'll start with you, um, Elder Henrietta. Share with us some things that you think could help people that are, you know, experiencing this. And it's something that happened a long time ago, but it's still so fresh, like today, right now. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's fresh right now because I look at my grandchildren and, mm -hmm. and see how things can go down through the generations. Right. I do, however, believe that it is important, it's very imperative that we can have that village around us that can support mm -hmm. us in spite of what we might be going through. It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, as some people talk to me like, well, we got to be churchy. I'm like, no, 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 no. Be who you are. Just be sometimes. So you were talking about just sitting with someone. I do know I, I did a little stint with uh, Cancer Society, uh, sorry, Cancer CTA, Cancer Treatment Center of America. And one of the things that we were uh, instructed on was more or less learning how to just be still sometimes yeah. with others. I don't have to say a mumbling word, but just sit there. Be quiet. Allow your strength to rise up. And if you have to say something, make sure we're speaking. Uh, I'm going to call it positive affirmations again. Yeah, because we're talking about positive self-care, not negative self-care. Yeah. So I try to encourage folks. Now, one thing I will put out there that I think is critical, number one is God, but number two, I think is imperative that we journal what's journal. going on. Absolutely. Because I think journaling empties you when nobody else is around, but it helps you to see where you were and where you are right now. I and love that's that. where I'll leave it for right now. I love yeah. that. Journaling is, yeah, I, I think journaling can help you through a whole lot of things. Um, even yeah. if it never goes anywhere past the paper, the pen and the paper, um, or writing letters. I've written many letters that ended up in a drawer somewhere till years later. And it actually refreshed me because once I read it years later, it was good to remember where I was, yeah. um, what I was feeling, and how mm -hmm. I got through that feeling. So that, thank you so much for that. Um, Bonita, share with yeah. us a little bit about what people can do to help when you know they get that diagnosis, what you need from your friends and family. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. One thing, um, definitely support, but just on, on a whole nother level. I like what um, Elder Henrietta said about just just being being quiet, basically just coming and sitting and being quiet. This some things are just not for everybody to understand. And I think a lot of people um, don't know how to support because they understand it. And that's fine and cool. Just be there in support of that person. Um, like I said earlier, there's a lot that we cannot do for ourselves in that moment. Um, so just mm -hmm. having somebody make, bring you a meal, um, talk to you, make you laugh because you are feeling so down. One of the worst things, and I'll tell you what not to do because this is very important. Um, one, of, one thing that you should not do, and it's so robotic, and I think people do it subconsciously, is when you hear that someone has just gotten a diagnosis, the first thing that people think to say is, oh, I lost my so-and-so to cancer. Oh, mm -hmm. my best friend died. 
that tears us apart and it, it discourages us from fighting. It makes us think that we're going to die. We already think that when we first hear it, right? Mm -hmm, right. But once our mind condition, and then that's all that people keep saying. It's like, oh my God, so stay away from that. <laughs> Do not, right. that's the you could tell a, a person going through cancer or anything. Oh, so I just, I lost so-and-so. <laughs> Don't um, do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good yeah. I think people, like you said, don't mean to, and but that's a good tip because I think without thinking, that's the first thing you want. You want yeah. to relate. Um, and to know that, hey, that doesn't make us feel better. Um, no. That's the um, one. So thank you for yeah. that. Because I mean, I'm sure we're all guilty of it, not thinking. And then, you know, right. you never, nobody tells you. Why would you say that? You know, they just kind of fade to the back and they don't want to talk to you anymore and you don't know why. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's very important. Thank exactly. you for that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Tony, tell us a little bit yeah. about um, uh, what, what, you, what you feel is helpful. Um, from my personal experience, I think just having a safe space to speak about what's going on. And when I mm -hmm. say safe space, that space has to be safe in terms of no judgment. Um, exactly. the judgment yes. come in where, well, what did you do? Where did you go? You know he doesn't like that. Why do you keep doing that? Or, well, why don't you just leave? Like, that's judging. <laughs> Even that's if you right. don't think it's judging, it's judging. Um, there could be numerous reasons why someone don't leave. And under extreme right. circumstances... A survivor just can't pick up and leave. Leave and go where? Because now right. we are putting okay. other people in harm's way. So sometimes right. it's a process. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's just getting up the courage. Sometimes it's just they have to be ready to make that move. But just having right. a safe space, just being able to um, not be in a place of judgment. So many oh, times after I've shared my story, I will have numerous inbox messages from people that would say you don't look like the type of woman that would allow a man to hit her that's, that's right. judging right domestic violence does not have a look it could be right me, it could be you it could be my sister it could be your neighbor it could be the person you work with domestic violence doesn't have a look and to say well you don't look like the type of woman well who what type of woman are you referring to right right hello like right. I don't have a bandana across my forehead that says "hit me today." I'm in the room. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that's not the way it works. <laughs> right. And yeah. also, tr just to have a little bit of understanding, I think some people they get caught up in what domestic violence looks like on TV. On TV, right. you have one hour to show the drama. Right. It's not every mm -hmm. day. It's not every hour on the hour. It's maybe once a week. It may be once a month. Right. It may Thursday be once Friday, every three Saturday. or four months. But the point mm -hmm. of it is, once you are abused at one time, you are now in a domestic violent relationship. Yeah. And domestic violence is now not just partner on partner. It's also family member on family member. That's right. So, you know, domestic violence goes around a whole circle now. And I will admit that there are better laws today than there was back in the early 80s and the late 90s. Um, but it's still a, a real prevalent issue. You know, during COVID, a lot of us 
We went to school to get away from our abuser. We went to work to get away from our abuser. We mm -hmm. went and did chores to get away from our abuser. During COVID, now we are forced to be with our abuser 24-7, 365. Right. Um, mm -hmm. The domestic violence um, incidents rose 200% here in Georgia. Wow. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's still happening, and it's happening a lot, and it's happening a lot with our youth. Um, I really think we need to look at, you know, young girls, young guys, and figure out how we can help them channel their aggression and channel their anger. Because if you grew exactly. up being beat yeah. as a child because you did something wrong, then your instinct is to beat somebody else when they do something wrong. Right. Or take what it, or, you know, take it if is, that happens. You know, right. Debatable. That's right. Right. But mm -hmm. it happens. And it's too many young people that have this overgrowth of aggression and no nothing to do with it. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's a good lead into um, I definitely want to put something together and have some real conversations around that, because I think sometimes when everybody's so quiet, then it just nothing gets dealt with because people are making, as you all have mentioned, assumptions that everything is OK. And I think that's mm -hmm. where people need to not not always assume something's going on, but not always assume that nothing that is going on. Um, mm -hmm. And so just pay attention and be more diligent and paying attention to signs. If somebody you know is is acting differently, it could be either one of the journeys that you all have gone through. But mm -hmm. we tend to not ask questions because we turn into kind of a sad a society of just me, 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 me. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not my business. Um, mm -hmm. And back in the day, I think, you know, it was that we weren't supposed to talk about these things. But then. I always believe that, you know, and I think what happens because when I went through some things, I think what happens is we talk ourselves into believing that we're good, you know, so and it's not that serious. I know with some of the things I went through, I thought I've seen movies and this wasn't nothing like the movie. So, I mean, that's just, you know, that I'm being drama. Um, yeah. And if right. people yeah. will treat you like you're being drama, like, oh, it's not that serious or whatever. And I think people are hiding behind that they're comparing it to the extreme um yeah. and there's small subtle things that happen that really can lead to something crazy you think about how many stories you've heard about and you wonder how it got there i know her or i you know i've been around her and like you said she doesn't look like what does it look it doesn't look like anything it has no face it's it's a yeah. situation that you fall into based on a lot of times what you've experienced, what you deem is okay, what you deem as, well, I mean, I've seen it before, so yeah. it's not that big a deal. Um, so I am actually down for yeah. doing many shows that address this continuously. Because um, even when we're talking about domestic violence or breast cancer awareness, we don't talk about what people need to get that healing or to get that support. Right. Um, and you all gave some great tips on what to do and not to do, Bonita. Because um, I think a lot of times we don't talk about what not to do. You know, don't do that. That's not helpful to me. Asking people, why did you stay is not helpful. So stop doing that. Asking people, um, you know, well, trying to understand what you're going through right now, you don't have the energy to explain what you're going through. You just want to know that somebody is there to listen and not throw that judgment as you know tony mentioned too so i appreciate you all this was um 
this I know has to be a hard thing to do to share with people, but I do believe that people need to hear stories like this. I really do. Um, it was hard for me to share, you know, my story. And I, I will, I will share this when Benita, Benita just, um, kind of, Said something out about writing about different subject matter. And it's strange how things hit you when it's that time, Elder Henrietta, when it's that time to just share it. Um, and yeah. it's 40 years later. I've been in many conferences and I've talked to people and said what not to do and what not to say and all this kind of stuff. But when I got something from her saying, well, what did you want to write about? And, you know, the subject matter of um, molestation was on the list. I, you know, I usually go right past that. Like, yeah, that's my story. But p- other people have so many, you know, bigger stories in this oh, area. But yeah. this particular time I said, I'm going to write about that. And it was so, it lifted me. Mm-hmm. It lifted a lot of stuff off of me. But for 40 years, I literally had to sit my mother down as a grown woman and say, this is what happened. You know, so... I had to tell her before the book came out that that's what happened because I had not told anyone. Um, but the weight that was lifted when I shared that story had made me want to do things like this where that time was now because somebody is going to hear that and needed it right now. Um, so I thank y'all so much for um, just being open and honest and transparent. And before we leave, um, I want you all to share how you can, that people can connect with you. They might need an ear. They might need a friend. They might need somebody to talk about how they're going to get through this. And if you all are open, please share, you know, your information and how they can get in touch with you so that we can kind of keep this ball of positivity rolling um, and come back around to this, um, you know, with more wonderful, inspiring stories. So, um, Henrietta, can you share with us um, how people can get in touch with you? You can reach me at elderhenrietta at gmail.com. Okay. Elderhenrietta at gmail.com. Or uh, my number is 301-651-0211. That doesn't mean I live in Maryland. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, right? (laughs) That's how we can get in touch with you. For those who might need, you know, just need a, a ear. Did you say me, Tony? Tony. Oh, Tony. Okay, I'm sorry, <laughs> we blinked out. Um, I'm under the Loopy Chick on across all social media, Instagram, Twitter, as well as Facebook. You can just search the Loopy Chick, and my DM and inbox is always open. And my email is the Loopy Chick at gmail.com. Thank Absolutely. you. Nice, Dr. Benita. Yes, yes. You can um, connect with me on Facebook and Instagram um, as Dr. Bonita Parker. You can also reach out to me via email at drbonitaparker at gmail.com or bonita at bonitaparker.com. Also, be sure to check out um, the foundation, hopeforpinkfoundation.org. Yes. Hopeforpinkfoundation.org. Um, and learn all about our foundation and what we do and all the initiatives that we're putting in place. Thank y'all so much for everything you all do for everybody else. Um, and I'm just going to say this to you all and to everyone out there that I am here. If you all ever need me, 
Um, and I've always, you know, tried to let people know that. Um, and I never know how I can be a helpful, but sometimes people just want to hear that. I mean, even as somebody who sees myself as strong, sometimes as somebody said something to me the other day and what I responded and said was, you know, I never, I never, I rarely hear that. I shouldn't say never. I rarely hear that from people and it meant the world to me. But a lot of times strong people don't want to tell you that they need to hear that stuff. So absolutely. I got one more comment, if you don't mind. Absolutely. I just want to end. I didn't end my story properly. Okay. After some years, you're talking about 10, 15 years. Guess what God did? He had finished fashioning the man who loves me like I've never been loved before. (laughs) Amen. 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 Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that was it. <laughs> that's a wonderful way to end that. Yeah. And that's that's some positive inspiration to let people know that it ain't it ain't over. It ain't that's over. Right. And he knows everything. So he knows when to send you what you need, when you need yeah. it. Um so thank y'all. This blessed me so much. Um and I appreciate you all. Camden, did you want to say goodbye to everybody because she's starting to get it? He's getting a little sleepy, I guess. Thank y'all so much. And I will see you all next Thursday on Thursday, 7-8. Please tune in every Thursday. I appreciate you all. And we'll see you all again soon, too. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.